Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. These are coming from the TDIHC vault, so you'll also hear two hosts. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 28th. The Czechoslovak Republic or Czechoslovakia was proclaimed on this day in 1918. This part of the world combined Bohemia, Moravia, and Slovakia. And before 1918, all of that had been part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Now, the Austro-Hungarian Empire had been formed in 1867, and it was an oddly fractured state. Hungary, at that time, had its own monarch and its own national history, but the rest of the empire was a hodgepodge. It was formally known as the kingdoms and lands represented in the Reichsrat or the other imperial half. So you had Hungary and the other imperial half. Most people came to call it Austria, and Austria was finally adopted as its actual name in 1915. By the late 19th century, the people in what would become Czechoslovakia had been trying to get a bigger voice within the government of the Austro-Hungarian Empire for quite some time. So, for example, on the Czech side of the region in the West, which was mainly in Austria, people were trying to get more representation in Parliament, even though a lot of the Czech people didn't consider themselves to be particularly at home within the empire. Then on the Slovak side of the region, that was in the East, mainly within Hungary, people were facing ongoing persecution and marginalization, with many Slovaks moving to other parts of the empire or out of Europe entirely. At the start of World War I, most Czechs were not in favor of the war, and they feared that a German victory would put an end to all of their efforts for better political representation or even total national autonomy. Then in 1916, the Czech National Council was established in Paris, and in 1918, in response to all of these things that were going on, point 10 of Woodrow Wilson's 14-point plan was, quote, the peoples of Austria-Hungary, whose place among the nations we wish to see safeguarded and assured, should be accorded the freest opportunity to autonomous development. So these people that were living in Austria-Hungary, including the Czechs and the Slovaks, should have the opportunity for autonomous development not being part of some unrelated nation or empire. At about the same time, the Czechoslovakian region was gaining international recognition for their distinguished service in the war. Then on May 31st of 1918, there was a declaration of support for the idea of one nation that would unite the Czech and Slovak people, and that was issued from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's known as the Pittsburgh Agreement, sometimes called the Pittsburgh Pact. It was issued on the United States Memorial Day and written by Tomasz G. Masaryk, who had come to the United States seeking President Woodrow Wilson's support. He was one of many expatriate leaders who were doing extensive advocacy for autonomy while in exile. On October 18th, the Declaration of of Independence for this new nation was issued, and it was proclaimed a republic on the 28th of October. On November 13th, a provisional constitution was issued, and on the 14th, Tomasz Masaryk was elected president. The first parliamentary elections were held on June 15th of 1919. At the same time, the rest of the Austro-Hungarian Empire was also collapsing, and Emperor Charles I issued a manifesto on October 16th, which shifted Austria into a union of German, Czech, South Slav, and Ukrainian components, but this union very quickly fell apart, 
And even before World War I ended, the former Austro-Hungarian Empire was no more. The actual borders of Czechoslovakia were negotiated during the Paris Peace Conference at the end of World War I, along with redrawing a number of other political borders in the wake of the war. Within Czechoslovakia, though, political disputes continued for decades. Although the Czechs and the Slovaks were linguistically similar, they had connections to help them unite into a single country, they each had their own histories and their own cultural elements. And then there were also numerous other ethnic groups in the region as well, including ethnic Hungarians. Earlier on in this whole story, the ethnic Hungarians had been in the position of power, and now they weren't, and were feeling a a lot less included in their own government. On January 1st, 1993, after a whole series of other events, the former Czechoslovakia split into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's podcast and to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. You can tune in tomorrow for yet another execution this month. Hey, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that proves history is always happening. The day was October 28, 1940. Just after 3 a.m., Emmanuele Grazzi, the Italian ambassador to Greece, presented an ultimatum issued by Mussolini to Greek Prime Minister Ioannis Metaxas. The ultimatum demanded that Metaxas allow Axis forces to enter Greece and occupy strategic sites or face war. Metaxas rejected the demand with a response that led to the day being commemorated as Ochi Day. The totalitarian regime led by Ioannis Metaxas was known as the 4th of August regime. The government was anti-communist and drew inspiration from the fascist regime in Italy. Metaxas had also fostered friendly trade relations with Nazi Germany. But King George II, the King of Greece, was an Anglophile, and the regime remained aligned with the British. Greece remained influenced by Britain despite its fascist ideology. Italy and Greece had tense relations for years over territory. Italy invaded Albania and made it an Italian protectorate in 1939, and Albania entered war against Britain and France. Though Britain and France guaranteed Greece territorial integrity, the Italians proceeded to provoke Greece. Bombers attacked Greek ships and Coast Guard stations, and the Italian press worked to encourage anti-Greece sentiment. Italy-Greece relations continued to deteriorate, and Metaxas began mobilizing troops. Mussolini decided to invade Greece. On October 28th, he issued the ultimatum to Greece that they cede strategic points in Greek territory or be invaded. The ultimatum also accused Greece of allowing the British Royal Navy to use its waters and ports to attack Italy. It said that the Greeks should not resist the occupation. Metaxas responded to the ultimatum by saying, Alors c'est la guerre, in French, which means, so this is war. There is no evidence that he said ochi, which means no in Greek, but the word no, which is shorter and simpler, came to represent Metaxas' response. He called on Greeks to fight for their independence. A couple of hours later, before the ultimatum expired, Italian troops in Albania crossed the border in the Pindus region of northern Greece. 
This marked the beginning of the Greco-Italian War and Greece's entrance into World War II. Mussolini's advisors and many others expected that an Italian victory over Greece would take little effort, but the Greeks put up a strong resistance. The mountainous terrain was rough and the winter was harsh. People in surrounding villages supplied Greek forces with food and ammunition. By the end of 1940, the Greeks had pushed the Italians back into Albania. In January of 1941, Metaxas died suddenly from inflammation of the pharynx that led to an infection. Italy attempted a counterattack to drive the Greeks out of southern Albania, but they failed. Mussolini was humiliated and Hitler was upset at the failure. But Bulgaria had joined the Axis powers, and Greece soon faced a threat from Germany as the German army advanced over Greece's Bulgarian and Yugoslavian borders. The Greeks had put up a fight, but the Battle of Greece, as it's known, ended with the Axis occupation of Greece. Hitler claimed that the Germans' detour into Greece delayed their invasion of the Soviet Union and led to their failure in the operation, which extended into the harsh winter. Critics have said that the Axis failure in the Soviet Union cannot be blamed on the delay due to the Battle of Greece. Either way, Greeks commemorate Olhi Day annually as a celebration of Greek resistance and contribution to Allied victory in the Second World War. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Want to impress your internet crush? Show them your history smarts by sharing something you learned on the show. Don't forget to tag us at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Or if you are so inclined, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you tomorrow, same place. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.